Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me always, Blake Harrison. Hello, sir. Hello, mate. I'm 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 here from from sunny Devon today. Sunny, yeah. sunny Devon. Um, yeah, little little family vacay, but we uh, we had to make time for a very very special special guest. Absolutely. I mean, let's not muck about. Who's the guest? Oh, we have got on a guy that's fought for. UFC title. He uh, is was a knockout of the year a couple of years ago. An incredibly intelligent, thoughtful, just really lovely bloke. And he's lanky, like me. He says that himself. It's the one and only Corey the Sandman Sandhagen. Oh, I don't disappoint either. User in for a real treat. Um Goes deep as well. Um, he's got a degree in psychology, and and, and we, we we touch on uh, on psychology, and we we talk a lot about mindset uh, in the lead up to fights and during the fight. Um, it's a real fascinating insight into um, Corey's career. Um, um, as Blake said, just just lovely gent, and uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're you're lucky people today. We got anything else to say? Should we just jump straight in with it? Let's jump straight in. People want to listen to Corey, not us. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Corey Sandhagen. Corey Sandhagen, how you doing, mate? I'm good, man. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Um, Corey, we always like to start these chats by just kind of taking you way back to where it all began, really, and asking you where you grew up and if it was like an area where you had to deal with confrontation a lot. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good question. So I grew up in Aurora, Colorado. Um, it's like just a suburb kind of right outside of Denver, Colorado. Um, and I was born and raised here. So I know you guys are from London. So I don't, you guys probably don't know, uh, Colorado, but, uh, so Denver is becoming like a super popular city probably in the last like 12 years or so. So, uh, Denver and Aurora were just kind of like, Midwest, you know, like mountain towns, uh, where people kind of just came to vacation to go to Vail and stuff. But, uh, no, now it's like completely blown up, but I come from like the old Colorado. Like I'm one of the like few locals that are left here. So, um, yeah, so I grew up there. Was there a lot of confrontation? Uh, it definitely wasn't like a super smooth 
area that I grew up in. Like Aurora is kind of known for being like a little bit more on the rugged side. It's by no means like a, like a ghetto or, or anything like that. Um, there's definitely some rough areas and there's definitely a lot of different types of people. And there's definitely like their fair share of gangs growing up and stuff like that. So while I wasn't like a full part of that, I definitely saw like a decent amount of that growing up. Uh, and how did, did you ma- respond to that? Like, was that was that easy for you to deal with? With, with if, if confrontation ever arose, were you someone that was like very comfortable in that in that scenario? No, I was passive, man. I grew up like really small, dude. Like I was like I was supposed to be. The doctor told me my whole life I was going to be like five foot two or something because I have a really short <laughs> Irish mom and then uh, and then kind of like a little dad, too. So I thought I was going to be really small. So I never got into any confrontations because it would have ended in me getting my ass whooped. And the few that I did get in, it did end up with me usually getting my ass whooped. So, <laughs> uh, no, but I hung out with uh, actually my, I, ha- I had a friend, Marquise, who I grew up with, who I'm still really good friends with, who was like my protector. He was just like this giant guy and uh, and he was just my protector. He fought all the fights for me because I was just tiny. And so how did you end up getting involved in martial arts? Yeah, so um, I grew up playing basketball also um, and basketball was just kind of fizzling out. Uh, basketball and wrestling were during the same season. So I never really got to experience the, you know, the the whole, you know, route of wrestling going into MMA like I didn't do all that I played basketball I was a pretty athletic kid I played a lot of other sports too and um and so yeah so I kind of just uh got sick of basketball signed up at uh I don't know if you guys know Nate Marquardt he's kind of an old school Mm -hmm. guy yeah so so Nate had a gym in Aurora so uh I just looked it up after I think seeing Nate on TV and um just signed up at the gym and I was about 17 years old. So I kind of got a little bit of a late start, but I shit you not probably since I was 17 years old, I've been, you know, like I was at the gym like twice a day for pretty much my entire life since then. So being really sort of sporty, you know, you you listed basketball and other sports that, you know, you, you was enjoying and that, did you find just having a kind of, uh, being quite, you know, into, uh, you know, athletics as such, did you find that, fighting come relatively easy how did you find it you know initially in the in the you know in the gym because it's something that felt natural and comfortable yeah I was good I was like uh you, you know I definitely had like a lot of natural talent um I've seen a lot of natural talent like not go the way that it's gone for me too but uh yeah I can speak on I was pretty you know well off like right off the bat I think I did like a a tournament in jiu-jitsu only about like two weeks into, you know, having training. And uh, I think I got like second place. And I remember going home and telling my parents and they were like, ah, shit, this guy's good at this. Like he's, he's <laughs> you know, he's not going to stop. So, uh, cause they weren't into it at first. They were like, that's weird. Like you want to fight? Like that's weird. You know, uh, like most people. Um, but no, I, I was pretty naturally good right off the bat. So that made it easier to, to enjoy and to love so what, what do your parents do for a living or what did they do for a living uh so my mom worked for the post office and then my uh my dad was like a postal inspector so he was like a i think technically he's like a fbi agent but my dad just like caught people that were stealing money is pretty much what he did 
Did they did they ever go like well you just said they were quite shocked but like did they ever look now and go God he's he's like earning good money and he's like fighting for world titles it's like <laughs> is this our son like it's like you know I see it in my mom's eyes man she can't believe it every time you know like uh, especially when I think about who my parents actually are too so my mom came uh, my mom was born and raised in Queens New York uh, from my grandma and grandfather that moved here from Ireland. Um, so she grew up in Queens, New York, very poor. And then my dad grew up on a farm, also very poor. So I can just like imagine in their heads what it probably looks like to see their son on TV and like doing a really good job. And they're like, oh shit, like our son's, you know, like a little bit of a somebody, you know? So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of cool. But yeah, then kind of weird probably from their perspective for sure. But my mom loves it, dude. Like my mom is super into it. So (laughs) it's fun. Can I can I ask you about confidence and your your relationship with it, Corey? And I, I want to ask you about your first ever uh, fight in the octagon. You know how how that was for you, and 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 was there nerves? And and tell us about fighting that. You know, are there still nerves? And and if so, how do you sort of control that? Yeah. So um, uh, this whole martial arts journey for me has been like a, uh, like a really deep dive into trying to make myself as fearless as possible Um, in life. And then also in the cage too, there's a lot of overlap there. So um, man, I used to get so scared before fighting. Like I used to get so scared. Like I used to wake up in the middle of the night just to go to the restroom and then not be able to sleep. I used to like, uh, I used to get extremely nervous just being around my opponent at weigh-ins. I used to be extremely nervous that I would miss weight just like all kinds of like obsessive type of thoughts, you know, like uh, I'm a little bit of that type of thinker, you know, like uh, my dad was a really not super neurotic, but my dad was kind of a neurotic guy. So I kind of got a little bit of that pitched off on me, but um, man, I used to get so, so nervous. So I knew that I didn't want that to be my entire experience in this sport because it was just going to be shitty and unenjoyable just with the amount of nerves that came with it. And, Uh, so I started seeing a sports psych after I kind of lost my first fight, uh, as a professional. And, uh, he helped me like a ton, kind of like battle a lot of those nerves, kind of like, uh, one thing that I really enjoy doing when I start to get nervous about an outcome or anything is I just, I'll follow that nerve, like all the way down the rabbit hole to where it ends. And like, usually it doesn't really end in like that bad of a spot. You know, it's like, all right, well, what if I get knocked out in this next fight in September on the 17th? It's like you get knocked out, man. And then like every other day of your life is the exact same. And you're probably going to wake up and do the exact same thing. So a lot of like me battling nerves is like following it all the way down the rabbit hole. Um, but no, man, like I, I'm actually super proud of myself and, and the people that I've been able to surround myself with where I've been able to like really like attack that man. Like what a blessing that is for like someone in their life to like have to deal with that much fear. And then like, come out on the other end, man. Cause now I'm, I'm a pretty fearless guy as far as like, uh, as far as like competing and fighting goes. And I think that that's why I'm able to fight the way that I am. What well, one of the things that I've, I've heard you talk about is that you, you do a lot of self hypnosis and mm-hmm. is that something Corey that you do for relaxation or is it something that you do to plant, you know, anchor points into your, your, your subconscious and like, you know, what, what do you use it for? Yeah. So I use it for a lot of reasons. Yeah. For both of those, I suppose. So, um, 
there's like a lot of different terminologies or whatever, but uh, sometimes I do need to meditate. Like I use the word meditate as like a, as a word to relax myself. And then I kind of use hypnosis as to like how to touch into that kind of subconscious stuff that I have going on deep, deep inside me. So, I mean, man, I do a meditation every morning for like 30 minutes where I just try to completely just like make nothing happen in my brain, you know? Um, and those are always really relaxing, uh, as long as I do them in the correct way and I'm not too forceful about it, but I'll do those med- types of meditations. And then as I start to get into camp, I'll add in visualizations twice a week too, where, uh, I'm walking myself through the fight, like everything from weighing in, seeing them all the way to the bus ride over all the way to the way that it feels afterwards, all the way to, you know, when I FaceTime my family or go see my family after I win and, uh, I'll do those visualizations, but the, my favorite ones are definitely those hypnosis ones where, um, uh, you know, I don't want to sound too weird or whatever because I understand that I'm fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I see the world a little bit differently than I think a lot of people do, but, uh, I'll like go really deep into like those self hypnosis and there's a lot of really good ones on YouTube that, uh, I'll do if I feel like I can't get myself there cause I don't have the energy, but, um, man, I'll go in there and I'll almost have like lucid dreams where, uh, I'm definitely still awake, like, but I don't really have a ton of control of what's happening in the dream. I just have to kind of like sit there and watch it. And, uh, those are always like super, super interesting when I can get into a really deep one of those, but I'll try to do those about once or twice a week. And some of them feel a lot more profound than the other ones, but, uh, yeah, I'll do that about twice a week. Are you finding the more you do it, the, the deeper you go? Yeah, definitely. I I found that usually it takes about three weeks for me to actually be good at visualizing uh, or like digging, making it so that there's no noise in the way of the symbols that want to shoot through my brain into into what's going on. But um, yeah, it usually takes about three weeks. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm actually good at this, you know, but yeah, three weeks is usually where I find that it it starts to work. As someone that's not really ever done that before in terms of those visualizations is it you kind of like talking yourself through a series of events are you kind of creating a story as it were in your head of how you predict things to go and then just trying to to control your brain to not let it kind of go off in different directions just focus on that story and on the ideal scenario for you to be in in the days hours minutes seconds leading up to and after the fight uh yes yeah, so, sometimes sometimes so the ones that are on youtube they'll almost like walk you through like uh this like guided journey you know where it's like uh hey you're uh like a lot of the visualizations so there's a technique in visualization where uh you kind of start it all the exact same way so like you're in a house you go down the stairs and like with each step you get deeper and deeper into your breath you get deeper and deeper into your mind and you get deeper and deeper into like the silence of it all and then when you get to the bottom of the stairs you're in a basement uh and it's the same basement every time i'll sit on the couch uh i'll watch the the tv uh i'll like imagine like typing in all of the uh what i'm trying to youtube i'll like youtube my fight and then i'll like go through the fight as if I'm watching it on TV. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'll, so I'll do it that way a little bit. Uh, and then with like the hypnosis ones, sometimes the ones that are on YouTube are a little bit more like, uh, like guided, like, Hey, you're walking through like a jungle. And then like, you look over here and you see this, but it doesn't really tell you what this is. So like your mind creates what this is. 
But then there's some dude where like, I don't know, man, like the stars maybe line up or I slept good that night or something, or I didn't get hit good that day at practice or something where like, I can just go so deep into my mind and just see what's really, really happening at like the very like part of me, you know, which are, which are pretty cool, but those are kind of far in between. And I almost feel like those aren't even anything that I can like attribute myself to doing. I feel like they're almost given. You, you strike me as a very kind of thoughtful and considerate person. We actually mentioned before we press record that, you know, you, you message us to say, sorry, I'm going to be two minutes late. And I have to say that a lot of fighters won't even tell you they're going to be half an hour late. That's, you know, so I think you seem like a very thoughtful and considerate person. Is there any, ever any conflict within you when you're, you know, doing a sport where it is at times a violent sport? And, you know, I, I think of things like the, the, the Frankie Edgar knockout in particular, the Marlon Marais knockout where, you know, it, there is a brutality to it. Do you do you ever have moments where you feel guilty about the fact that they've come off so badly in that fight, or does does emotion just have to come completely out of the equation? Because obviously they're trying to do the same thing to you, and it's you know you, you you're trying to earn a living at, at the end of the day. So is is there is there any of of that kind of conflict within? You? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, I've had those conflicts as well, too, in life. Uh, almost like the, you know, like a journey of fear. Like, I also feel like... Um, having like a journey where I'm trying to eliminate as much fear as possible is also the same thing as kind of saying where I'm trying to create a life that's as peaceful as possible. Um, and in that piece, like, like there's a lot of love and, uh, joy and great stuff like that in, in the piece, but I'm doing like a career where like my job is to like try to destroy another person's body. And, uh, and like, yeah, man, that's given me like kind of like a decent amount of, uh, you know, I've had to like meditate on those types of feelings a lot, but man, uh, it is weird. Uh, I, I, I kind of even don't even really have words for it. Cause I still don't really have it sorted all out in my brain where it's like, I try to be this like peaceful, loving, thoughtful guy who, uh, is as little of a douchebag as like I can possibly be given my, you know, circumstance growing up. Uh, but I definitely like, I definitely run into the issue of like, ah, but you beat the shit out of people for a living. Like what? And I teach other people how to do that. You know, like I keep, (laughs) 
like I teach the kids program at high altitude and I'm like, I don't know if this feels right or not, man. Like, you know, but, uh, it's interesting, but it's also a part of life, man. Like we're all, we're, we're animals at the end of the day. We're very capable of loving each other too, but we're animals and animals like to fight each other and they have to fight each other. So, uh, so that's just the way that this human experience is going for me. <laughs> One more question on the psychological side of, of, of fighting and, and the positions that you, you, you found yourself in, you know, over recent years. Um, I'm in no way, shape or form suggesting, you know, you did not have the right to be in the octagon with all of these, you know, superstar fighters, yourself being one of them. But when you're in them moments and you're looking across the octagon at a Frankie or something like that, do you ever have that that imposter syndrome of like, shit, how am I here? This is this is crazy. I mean I'm in the octagon now at the UFC in like this huge event. Like does did you ever get them sort of moments of imposter syndrome? Uh no. Um it's pretty much, uh, well now maybe in the past I did, but now, man, it's like, this is 100% me being a destroyer. Like that's my job. This is my job. It's not even, it goes even past my job. Like this is like my life's duty a little bit where like, uh, I'm there to destroy the other person and it can yeah. be, it could be a Frankie Edgar. It could be a TJ Dillashaw. It could be a yeah. whoever whatever big name it is, like that's what it is on that night. And I'm not going to like, that's who I am on that night. 100%. <laughs> the, the bantamweight division is, is absolutely stacked. I, I've, I've said on this podcast for a long time, I think it's my favorite division because it has that perfect blend. I feel of those elite level fighters like yourself, but the, also the prospects coming through, looking at uh, Ricky Simone and, and Jack Shaw that are fighting in, uh, I think, this week. I think they're, they're fighting Saturday. Um, and also the legends. You've got the legends like Frankie, who you fought, but also people like, like Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo. And I was just wondering, if the UFC came to you with two contracts, one with Dominic Cruz on it, one with Jose Aldo, and they said, you can only fight one of these guys, and that's it. You can't ever fight the other one. Who's the one that you would want to fight most, Dominic or Jose? Uh, probably Dominic, only because mm-hmm. there's like a uh, – like I love Aldo too. I think Aldo is like an amazing fighter. But Dominic almost has like a, a little bit of a specialer place uh, in my life just because like I, I learned a lot from watching him initially in the sport. So uh, I think that that would just be like cool for me you know uh so yeah i'd probably go cruise one of the other things uh, ahead of a fight um i'm always interested to know um about the the, the face off the stare down and and is it all for camera and is it just to sort of help hype the fight i'm sure that's a, a big part of it but when you stand there face to face you know you hear often you know fighter sales literally staring right through to their soul like how much of that is true and how what do you take from a stare down yeah so uh everyone kind of does that piece a little bit different and values it differently you know like uh uh so like uh I, i'm buddies with a guy named ryan hall who um, oh we love ryan hall, love ryan hall. <laughs> yeah me and ryan train a decent amount together he, he's a little hurt right now but actually not this week but next week i'm gonna go i'm gonna be in virginia training with him again but um 
Yeah, so Ryan Hall and Ton Lee were always out there. Or actually, last week, we were watching some fights, and we were watching a stare down, and they were just, like, making fun of how intense the, the stare down people were. And I was like, I'm one of those people that takes it really intensely, you know? Like, uh, you, you have to remember that, okay, so this is what fight week looks like. Everyone shows up on Tuesday, usually. We all have to do our media and everything on Wednesday and Thursday, and then we all have to cut weight on Friday. We're all staying at the same hotels. We're we're all going to the exact same places, and we're all we're all like doing the exact same thing. And we're less than like probably five hundred feet from each other the whole time. So I look at these things like um, they're like ancient battles, man. Like uh, like I take they're like a, they're like a sacred thing to me a little bit, where it's like. No, this isn't just like some show mini like entertainment type of thing where, where I know that like people get off on being entertainers and stuff. I don't like I get off on being a killer. Like I get off on being like that destroyer guy. Um, and so any opportunity I get to like, you know, have a little bit of edge in the fight, like I take that opportunity. And if that if that means like staring at the guy really intensely and he thinks it's silly, then fine. Like he can think it's silly, but. Uh, I take those moments really serious, but everyone kind of does it different. Like a lot of fighters be like, you're an idiot, man. Like you're wasting energy. <laughs> it's like, it's 24 hours before. What are you doing? But I take them as opportunities. Yeah. You, you've got a degree in psychology as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I was a psych does major, that, see- Does that come into play at all? Are you, that, that degree in psychology, are you able to kind of maybe like get something from them and be able to read their body language or what they say in interviews or anything like that, that kind of helps you go, Oh, I think I know where this fight is at mentally because I, you know, you've got more of an understanding of that kind of thing than someone that maybe doesn't have a psychology degree. Um, yeah, I don't know that the psychology, I think that that's just been an interest for me my entire life. Uh, I was always interested in like, because like I said, in Aurora, there's a lot of different types of people, you know, um, and so it always interested me, like, oh, why are my friends this way and I'm this way? There's just, like, a lot of cultures happening at the same time where I kind of grow up. So that has always interested me. It's like, oh, so the way that you're raised, like, really impacts the way that you are. So that was always kind of just, like, a, a, a interest that I always had. And um, uh, what was the initial question again? Where am I going with this? Well, just if the psychology degree is in any way beneficial for you in face-offs or, or watching the fight of a fighters be interviewed or anything. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's another thing, too, that I take into consideration also is, like, um, I personally do watch. Like, I watch interviews. I watch the, you know, like, I just watch their demeanors. I watch how their character. I try to listen to the words that they say. Um, I try to, like, hear their values just so I can get, like, a really good breakdown of who they actually are because – um, what I've learned most in this sport or not most, but one of the things that I've really taken from this sport is like, everyone is saying that they want to be champion, but a lot of people aren't acting and talking and doing things that are actually like things that are going to make them a champion. Uh, and I think people like reveal a lot of things about their, in, in their words, you know, like people will reveal what they're afraid of based off of what they're talking about, you know, like, so if I, if someone starts unpromptedly talking about how they're not afraid of getting tired, it's like, Hmm, you must've spent a decent amount of time rehearsing on your car ride over to training and how you're not going to get tired on that day. You know, like, uh, that must be one of your demons that you have to struggle with. So, 
uh, I like, I watch out for like a lot of unprompted things. Um, and that kind of gives me a little bit of tell into like what they're afraid of, because if I can make them super afraid while they're in the cage, then that's definitely a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny how like people just start spewing out like all kinds of revealing shit just because like someone asks them, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> dude, this is going to be on like, uh, your opponents are going to be able to watch this. Don't be stupid, you know, but, uh, not a lot of guys think like that. One of the other things that we always like to ask uh, guests as well is, what's your when when you're in that 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 room at the event and they're about to call your name and it's time to go out and walk into the octagon? I mean, th- that is an insane scenario to to for, for most people to put their 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 place, you know, put themselves in that place. Um, what's your what's your sort of little routine before you walk out when you're in that room in the sort of like the 15 30 minutes before you walk out what what what, what do you do what, how do you stay calm how do you stay focused what, what what's the sort of routine Corey? uh so i'm a pacer guy I, I like pace around a lot um uh it all depends man so uh i i had that fight against sterling as you guys know where uh you know i just like it was like a horrible performance i did horribly um, and it was because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't being as up and as intense as I, as I should have been for an occasion like that. And I, I kind of, I kind of left it up to chance whether or not I was going to have intensity or not have intensity. And I got away with that for a really long time because even on the days where I didn't feel like fighting or I didn't feel like being intense, I would still typically win. So it was just, it, it was just a problem that went unresolved because, as men, I think included, like men don't really talk about like, oh man, like I kind of felt like really bad before that fight, you know, like that was just something that you didn't, you just don't really talk about sometimes being a man. So, uh, if I got away with it, I, it just went unresolved. Um, and then I had that obviously happen where I just had a horrible performance lost when, you know, I definitely feel like I should have won and performed a lot better. Um, and, uh, and it was because I just like, didn't have that intensity. So I had to address that intensity. And now, uh, you'd be really surprised as to how, uh, how capable you can make yourself and your mind and your body of something by doing little exercises that will make you more intense. So one of them that I use is like, I do a lot of like breathing exercises if I need to bring myself to a more intense place or a more focused place. Uh, and sometimes if it needs to go in the other direction where I need to be a little bit more calm, um, then I can do, I'll use breathing exercises for that. Uh, sometimes I have to like tap into affirmations where, you know, like you'll tell yourself you're the best, you're this, you're that, you know, like you've all seen the videos of people doing that too. Occasionally I have to do that, but now I'm at like kind of a smooth time where like, I can get myself to a very intense place without too much thought happening. And, um, and, uh, I think that that's kind of the way to do it because the less thinking that's going on, the, I, I believe the better you'll perform for the most part. Um, so yeah, so it's just a lot of me pacing around after I get warmed up, uh, and being super intense. I'll yell a lot, uh, just to, because it's in me, like I'm, I've gotten to a good place where I can get myself to a super high level of intensity. And that's helped me a lot in, in the last, you know, since that Sterling fight. Are you, are you difficult to be around in those moments? Cause I'm, I think we spoke to Michael Bisping a while ago and I think he said, Oh, I'm, I can be a bit of a dick <laughs> at the times like before fighting. 
Can, can you, are you difficult to di- to be around in those moments? Do you think? Uh, my, mildly, uh, I, I kind of you know when I start being a dick, I know that it's coming from like stress, and so I just tell myself yeah. like, dude, being a pussy, you know, like quit being a pussy, um, because usually that's like like irritability and things like that are just because you're afraid of something or you're stressed or something, yeah. you know. So uh, if I start to feel myself go down that path, like I don't ever want to be that guy, dude. There's guys that like are huge assholes before their fights and like during what their weight cuts they just turn into huge nancies and like i never want to be one of those guys at any point whether or not i have the excuse to do it or not so uh so no not really to be honest like i'm still pretty considerate and stuff like i'll still say please thank you all of that stuff but uh that's only because if i was being irritable and like not doing those things that would be like a red flag for me to be like oh like stop thinking or whatever it is that's happening in your brain that's creating this like overfilled cup where you can't even say please and thank you at this point you know like that to me is just a sign of like high stress you you touched on something you said um uh i think it was either in the lead up or, or, or post that the, the sterling fight you said you know you you knew you weren't you you weren't switched on as such and and you didn't really have them conversations uh man to man with somebody else um post that is that something that you've looked at do you you know because so much of you know what we hear from you know talking to fighters is the 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 mental stress of of competing at this level is is ridiculous and 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 obviously as an outsider looking in you'd imagine these these gyms with all of these kind of fighters that you know testosterone's there and you know is it something where is that changing where you can feel more comfortable having open conversations about your mental health, um, you know, in, in 2022, is it feeling like something that you're more comfortable talking to, to other guys in the gym about how you're feeling? And, and do you see that that's changing in the sport at all? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I would say that it is. I think, um, I think, uh, it is a super stressful sport, man. And, and, but that's also like the most beautiful part of it because you wouldn't be able to conquer fear if you didn't have to go through it all the time. You know, like, uh, I've spent, dude, I've spent so much time of my life, like just stressed and worried about winning fights. Like so much of my life has been on that. And I feel like once I kind of like let that go is when I started performing really, really good. Um, so yeah, so like, it is a super stressful life, but it's not worth bitching about because it's the, it's the thing that like gets you, it makes you the man that you're going to be once you're done fighting. And it makes your soul, you know, like super strong. It makes those around you super strong. It makes like the, the kids that I hopefully will have one day, it will make them super strong just because I've had to deal with all of it and I've had to do all of it. So, um, yeah, that's definitely the case. Uh, it is a super stressful thing, but that that stress is a blessing big time man and uh so i'm at like a good place with all my fears you know <laughs> good, good good one thing i really wanted to touch on outside of, of the octagon was you you mentioned in previous interviews but you have i don't i've not seen you go into it too much and you, and you absolutely don't don't have to obviously but um you mentioned working with kids with with trauma previously and i just wanted to know like can you tell us exactly what your your job was and without going into too much detail, maybe what, what kind of trauma you, we're talking about with, with these kids and, and if the experience of working there changed you in any way. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, I started working at a place called Mount St. Vincent's, which is just like a really awesome nonprofit uh, that works with traumatized kids. Usually they were like, you know, from about like six to 13 was like our age group. And most of my job towards the latter end, because I was still doing it when I was in the UFC, because I was able to make my own hours and they were always really cool. So uh, towards the latter part of that, like, I guess, job that I had, um, I was working in the school where uh, I was kind of like an assistant teacher for a lot of those kids. A lot of them come from backgrounds of uh, some type of abuse or neglect. So like uh, sexual or physical abuse um, or like neglect or some type of in, or it could have been trauma a little bit later in their life. It could have been, you know, trauma affects you very differently depending on when it happens, uh, whether you're a baby, whether you're one, two, three, four. So um, yeah, so I started doing that. The, The main reason that I got into that is because, Before I got into the UFC, obviously, you're like, oh, man, if this, you know, like I need to kind of have something sustainable a little bit uh, so that you're not just, you know, living at home until you make it to the UFC, because who knows when that's going to happen. So uh, so that was kind of the reason for doing that. I had always been really interested in social work. That's kind of why I went to school for psychology, too. Um, I grew up with like a lot of poor friends, uh, and it was kind of like my way of giving back to those poor friends because, uh, I kind of grew up not in like a, I wasn't as, you know, I by no means came from like a wealthy household, but I was a lot better off than like a lot of the friends that I had in my life. So that was kind of like, I think the reason that I, I wanted to do types of social work like that, but no, that, that job, I, th- I think it did change me. It was like my first time really experiencing like human evil at like that type of level, which was interesting. Um, so that kind of like changed my worldview a little bit. It kind of, it kind of like made me a humbler guy. I think I, I had always kind of had like a humble nature, but uh, when you're around people that had those types of circumstances or you're around people that, you know, like elderly people, um, people that are sick and going to die, like all of those things really zoom you out of whatever, you know, position you feel like is so horrible in your life. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I've learned a lot, but it also just kind of like made my worldview a lot more grateful, which is always a good thing. You seem to have a great perspective on that as, and in terms of just perspective in general, you seem to have dealt with any any of the down moments of in your career, you seem to have dealt with them incredibly well, and 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 you seem to have a great perspective. And I, as you were saying earlier, what's the worst going to happen? I get knocked out. I'll still be doing the same things I'll be doing a few days later anyway. It's as do you think you would have had that mindset had you not done that job? Um, maybe I don't know. I don't know how this whole thing works, man. With like uh... <laughs> none of us do. <laughs> I know, man. It feels on my end like it's been beautifully orchestrated. Uh, And, you know, I'm not like a religious guy, you know, but I do have some religious beliefs. And I think that, like, one of them is that as long as you're being, like, true to who you are and you're doing, you know, and you're doing kind of the right thing, then, like, the right stuff is going to pop up for you. And if that means that I become a champion, then that means I become a champion. And if it doesn't, I'm going to try my damnedest to make that true and and make that as real as I can. And like I said, it almost feels like it's not up to me. So I kind of just let that stress off my shoulders a little bit just by, you know, having those types of beliefs. 
Absolutely. Um, we're aware that um, you're, we're, we're quite short on time, so we've got a, a few sort of fun questions just to finish on, if that's if that's all right with you, Corey. Um, we always like to ask fighters, um, post-fight, what's your go-to food? Yeah. Honestly, okay, so that night I usually can't eat because my stomach is full of adrenaline anyways. Um, but it's usually like pizza, dude, something simple. Pizza, uh, once I start eating sweets, I usually cannot stop eating sweets until I go to bed. So that's just kind of like a shit show from whenever I decide to start that until I decide to fall asleep. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like an ice cream guy. I'm getting a little into cookies now. You're getting a little into cookies now. Like most people got a little into cookies when they were like two or three years old. (laughs) You're returning to the cookies a little bit. I'm not a big pastries guy. You know, like donuts are all right, but uh, now I'm an ice cream guy, and like I don't like gummies, dude. Like people that eat gummies to me are just disturbed. You know. I'm like a chocolate ice cream guy and anything outside of that I think is weird. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you quickly, who's exciting you uh, in the UFC at the moment? What fighters are coming through that you're excited to watch? Uh, man, I was just in Vegas last weekend and I got to watch Volkanovski and Izzy fight live. Oh. So, yeah, so Volk was special, I, wasn't he? God, man, both of them are, are amazing. But uh, yeah, Volk is – Volk, you, you just get like this aura about him where it's just like, oh, yeah, no one's touching him for a while. You know, like yeah. that, guy, that guy has made himself super unbeatable. So he's really inspiring me. So, yeah, Volkanovski is, is, uh, is on the top of the list right now. Well, look, we'd, we'd be remiss not to mention your upcoming fight against Song Yadong. Uh, I think you briefly mentioned it earlier. I think it's in September. Yeah, September 17th. September 17th. He's on a free fight win streak, two wins by a KO recently. What? But he's, he's kind of he's yet to fight anyone of your level yet. What what are the kind of um attributes he has, I guess that you feel like you need to be careful of um and what is it that you think you have that ultimately wins you the fight? Yeah, so um Stong's kind of that like uh I mean, it's it almost seems like there's two body types in the UFC. There's like uh, there's like lanky like me, or there's that like little wrestler stocky type of build. Uh, and Song has that, but he didn't grow up wrestling, so um, I don't have like too many thoughts on Song quite yet. I, I haven't started my training camp, so I've kind of just been like keeping at a baseline amount of training. Uh, and I, I I haven't watched too much film on him. I've watched a few of his fights, but. Songs, he's going to be like a super powerful hitter. He's like 24 years old, so he's going to make 24-year-old decisions, I, th- I think. Um, even though he does have a decent amount of fights, I-, I think that there's something that happens as you get older in, in your decision-making abilities. So uh, I think that that will probably be a weakness of his in this one. Um, and But he's athletic as hell. You know, like he's you put any type of athlete in front of anyone and they're going to be tough as hell to beat, so... Uh, it'll be a challenging fight. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's what it'll be. I have to ask you one more thing. Cause you mentioned being lanky. I'm lanky. And I <laughs> always wanted to know, are weight cuts harder for lanky people? Because there's not much to lose. Like I don't, I look at myself and I think, where would I lose the, the <laughs> weight? Like, is it, is it hard for you? Do you, do you basically walk around at 
not too dissimilar a weight to what you fight at because I just look and I go, where do you lose the weight? The big muscular guys or the, the heavier set guys, you go, oh, I can see where that, that weight's getting lost from. But I look at some fighters like yourself or like a, a, a Sean O'Malley or an Israel Adesanya, and I'm like, where are you losing this weight? Yeah, I, I don't know. No, weight cuts are pretty easy for me, man. I'm actually really good at sweating. I sweat pretty good. I sweat like a pound every 10 minutes, which is pretty good. So if I have to cut like, you know, eight that day, then that's like an easy, you know, a little bit over an hour. So no, I sweat good, man. I, I don't, I don't really know how that works like genetically. Um, but I might not be the strongest guy in the world, but I guess I, I think I still have like a little bit of muscle. I, I think it's kind of like the, okay, this is my like stupid, unexperienced doctor. Uh, that's where we excel. Stupid and yeah. unexperienced is yeah. where we excel. We so love please, a bit of guesswork. Bring, bit bring of guesswork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Conjecture all day long. Let's go. Yeah, I'm big on hypothesis. I'll say like a, I'll say a hypothesis like it's true. But um, so there's like a layer of muscle and then there's a layer of fat. And I think that the less fat that you have, because water is, gets stored in muscle, the less fat that you have in between that layer of skin, I think makes it a lot easier to cut weight uh, because I've kind of noticed the guys that are a little bit uh, uh, not, not fat by any means, but have like a little bit of a layer of fat on them. Uh, I think that that water has to like coast through that fat line. And I think that that's like not super easy for the body to do. Um, but like I said, that's just my dumb ass saying that. So that's probably not true at all, but, um, yeah, I don't know how that works. I swear. I swear. Great. My, my way cuts are super easy. Brilliant. Wonderful. Man, we, I, I feel like I could, chat to you all day mate um this has been a really fun and lovely chat and and we know you've got to get on so we'll let you go but uh best of luck for september 17th against song Yudong. and uh yeah we'll uh, i i just have to say i've been a, a big fan of you for a very very long time i mean in the cage i think you are incredibly fun to watch and outside the cage you just seem like a real stand-up guy and someone that i i would want to back always so thanks very much Corey, and thanks for your time today yeah, cool. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the interview. Sometimes I was worried that this interview was going to be a bunch of questions about song. So yeah, I enjoy I enjoy talking about all the things that you guys asked me about. So thank you. Oh, it's been an no absolute worries. pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, loads, thank Corey. You, Best of luck. Yeah. All right. Later, guys. Peace. Bye. Ah, the Sandman. The Sandman. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Sandman. Bring me a bit. No, I want Um. I uh, I I love I've always loved Corey Sandhagen. I I I remember what I said at the end of the interview. He's really fun to watch. Marlon Marais knockout was something else. The Frankie Edgar knockout was just ridiculous. Um, and he puts on fun fights. He's I mean we didn't even really get to talk about the Piotr Jan or the TJ Dillashaw fight. A fight that I feel like he won. One of my questions that I really wanted to ask him, but we just ran short on time. Um, was um, whether he's frustrated by the fact that, you know, TJ Dillashaw cheated and then came back. In my opinion, and I'm not on the judge's opinion, but my opinion and a lot of other people's opinion, TJ came back and lost to Corey Sandhagen and is now fighting for the belt against Aljamain Sterling, I think a week before Corey Sandhagen fights Song Yudong. So, yeah, I think that 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 is... As a fan of Corey's, I find that frustrating. I don't know what it is for Corey, but Corey just seems like he's so level-headed and so, you know, 
someone that's so self-analytical. I feel like he would have any frustration he would feel about that. I think he's probably dealt with months ago and just gone, mm. "Nice, no, cool. I'm just doing my own thing. I'm on my own journey." So, yeah, but big fan of of Corey Sanhagen. Absolutely. What what an absolute gen. Um, if this was your first time listening, uh, thanks ever so much. You're, you're late to the party, but that doesn't matter because uh, all of the uh, previous episodes are available for free. So go check out the archive. You can hear us talking to, um, as Blake mentioned in the episode, you can hear us talking to Michael Bispin. You can hear us talking to Derek Brunson, Dan Hardy, Paddy the Baddy Pimlet, Molly McCann, Dan Hardy. Who else? You just said Dan Hardy twice. <laughs> I did say Dan Hardy twice. We've only had him on once. But uh, yeah. Alexander Volkanovsky, obviously. <laughs> oh, uh, that guy. Yeah, he's that doing guy. all right, isn't he? He's, he's doing okay, isn't he? What was that? A complete whitewash against Max Holloway? Jesus Christ, what performance. Um, yes, I mean, Arnold Allen. Uh, it's just Jack Shaw, who we mentioned in the interview, and Ricky Simone. They'll be fighting each mm. other. We're not sure when this is going out. This may be a Friday. You may be, if if if, if our powers of uh, prediction are correct, you might be listening to this on a Friday, and just you know, a day later, you could be watching uh, Jack Shaw Jack Shaw versus uh, Ricky Simone, and uh, we've interviewed both those guys, uh, Jack, on a couple of occasions. So uh, yeah, what a top lad he's Jack. Coming your way. Um, but yeah, just flick through the back catalogue, see a name you like, and click listen. Yeah, and uh, while you're flicking around on your phone, why not flick over to social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just put in there MMA Fan Podcast and you will see our ugly mugs and press follow. And then why not give us a like, send us a message, tell us who you'd like us to chat to. Um, Yeah, um, I guess we're done. I guess we're done. I'm so pleased we had Corey Sandhagen on and he didn't disappoint. He was fantastic. What a great guest. Yeah, absolutely. You're well in love with him, aren't you? I'm a little bit in love with Corey Sandhagen. Yeah, he's, he's my new guy. <laughs> he's my new Dan Hooker. Oh, we've had Dan Hooker on. <laughs> there you yeah. go, guys. Go and check Is that it one all out. lanky fighters that you like? I do just prefer the lanky fighters. Yeah, I like fighters. That, like, yeah, that's, that's all I'm interested in. I'll, I'll really be like... That's, I, as soon as I see, like... That's why my, I was so gutted that Zabit's retired. Zabit's yeah. going to be like a doctor or something. I'm like, no, Zabit, come back. If I grew out just like the bottom part of my beard and shaved my moustache, I feel like I could look a bit like Zabit. Just leave it right there. <laughs> See you next time. That's true. Zabit Magomed Blakikoff. <laughs>